Welcome to the Building Interest Podcast presented by Leader Bank, a series of free-flowing conversations on a wide range of banking and money-related subjects. We are here to discuss all the issues that impact your financial future. Do you want to buy a home, start a small business, or secure your financial future? Or maybe you want to maximize your savings ability, get your budget in order. We can help. Our talks with experts and influencers across the world of banking will set you in the right direction. I'm your host, Greg Farber. Let's jump right in. We are back with the Building Interest Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the most common myths surrounding the home buying process. I'm your host, Greg Farber, and I'm lucky to be joined with a few special guests today, Carrie McLaughlin, loan originator for Leader Bank, and Beverly Vidoli, broker and owner of REMAX Realty Experts in Burlington, Massachusetts. Carrie and Beverly, thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to hear your thoughts today. So let's lay some groundwork. How long have you both been in the home buying industry? Beverly. Oh, age before (laughs) beauty. Is that the story? Maybe. (laughs) Um, Well, I I shudder to to tell you that I actually have been licensed since 1979, 80 year, and started shortly thereafter part-time. I was a full-time teacher at the time, way before the technology of today's world came into place. So it made it easier to kind of transition from one to the other. But starting uh, in the mid-80s when I started becoming a mother and wanting to be more home, I transitioned into the real estate full-time, and I have never regretted it. I love that I can use my education background in my ownership of a company and training agents, but I really love the process of getting people into homes. And I came from a real estate family growing up, so I guess it was a natural transition. Kind of knew the ropes already going in. Well, it was a different world, but yes, I knew the ropes. Carrie, you've been here, what we were just talking, 13, 14 years now as a loan originator. Can you share for our listeners that may not know what a loan originator is, what that actually means and what you do for the bank? I meet the clients from the realtors 90% of the time. Um, And then I have to educate them on, you know, what they make per month in order to afford a home. Do they come to you already with an idea of what they want or are you part of that decision process? 50% of the people do and 50% of the people don't. And a lot of them don't realize um, what's on their credit report. A lot of the time they come in with um, a preconceived notion of what they can afford. Um, and then they, you know. I, you kind of have to walk them through what, what their credit score is like, right, what their income what their is like, where they actually is, can be. Um, what the taxes for the home is. Um, I break everything down. and Because when you're renting, the, you don't think about them, taxes right, she, and things like that. Taxes, she carries insurance. them through that process. And I have to just interject here because a lot like, of the time there's there are buyers who come to us first and they don't realize the process they should be going through in the order in which it needs to be That's done. That's what I was going to ask if they if they're coming from you to carry mm-hmm. and you know they already know they want to buy a house, they know they want to work with you but they may not know what they're getting into. They know what they want but they don't know how much it costs. No. And then when they start finding out how much it costs, the first thing a realtor should be telling them is to get pre-approved. We just went through this yesterday. We did. And um, the buyer Gave me some information, but you know, in today's world, we don't, as realtors, get into the financial um, complexities of somebody's due to privacy. Uh, pro- and- yeah, due to privacy rules and so forth. So we get general information, but then I quickly turn them over them over to to Carrie, and Carrie has been 
great at setting uh, people's expectations on what they can and cannot do as far as you know, their mortgage part, part is. Now, what they might have in addition to that is something that she can explore I as well. I think breaking down the payment for the customer between taxes, insurance, and the mortgage payment is um, definitely something that they re- don't realize. When they put That's it on paper... That's something they don't do on their own, perhaps, they when they're sitting at home own. dreaming about buying a house. No, they'll, they look at it and say, well, the rates are so low... Um, I can afford this $600,000 home. And then when I break it up monthly and the down payment and what they have to pay for, it sometimes will slowly turn into more or less, depending on what they make per year. So really what I'm hearing is that you have very different roles, obviously. And to sort of paraphrase, you find the house and and you find the money. Correct. Um, But it doesn't work one without the other. No. You have to work it together so that the right house can be found with the right amount of financing Correct. and down payment and things to yeah. make that that, exactly. that client right. happy. So sometimes it works that we find the house and then I, that's when I've met the buyer. So now we go to Carrie's role. Fire but drills. oftentimes before I even do that, it goes to Carrie and then it comes back to me. So to make my role more efficient and hopefully quicker. So in a slightly different direction to me and I see so many friends and colleagues that change jobs every few years, sometimes every few months. I think maybe that's just an indication of today's job market or shifts in culture and, and things. But to me, one of the most impressive things that that I've heard so far in our conversation here today is both of your backgrounds is how long you've remained committed to your respective roles, your companies and everything else. And Carrie, maybe I want to start with you. Obviously, there's a lot of banks and mortgage companies around and you've had different managers, different team members around you, all of this. What is it that keeps you at leader? I love leader. I think leader checks all the boxes for me and my clients and my realtors. Um, it's, it's family oriented. Um, they have amazing, amazing staff, underwriters, closing departments. I think the n- main thing about leader is I have to work with a team, realtors and attorneys. So when you talk to a realtor or an attorney that you've been doing business with for years. So let's let's slow down for just a second for any of our listeners that don't know, why are we talking to attorneys during this process? So the attorney in Massachusetts needs to close the loan for you. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so just like you need a realtor to find the house, you need a lender to come up with the money, you need a, a, a you person need an or an agent to, that's going to close that transaction for we you. We need an attorney to close the transaction. We need the attorney to run the title for the home, Okay, make sure it's clean. So you have all these different teams, all these moving parts. And so how is Leader keeping you relevant and, and keeping you successful in that? Oh my gosh. Leader has such a wonderful name for themselves. Um, my underwriting staff and my definite processing staff and my manager literally could not be the best. It's amazing. Um, and they've always been so wonderful to me. I, I'm going to jump in right realtors. now. I'm going to jump in right now because I have worked with a lot of banks and there are some really good banks out there and there are other banks that really don't have the backup staff, the, the uh, professionalism, the, the proficiency that they work under. And every I've had some difficult transactions that um, I know were made possible for these buyers because of the knowledge base that Leader has. Right. And not just the loan originator, because things transition off of her to other Absolutely. departments. And it's them working together to make that dream come true. It's it's not about the money. It's about 
how it's put together um, as a team and to make that dream come true. I definitely think everybody that's in their role is, you know, a master in their role. I think from my standpoint as the person who puts the deal together, you have to have a lender who communicates, communicates with the borrower, because one of the things that can happen, and it happens everywhere, mm-hmm. less frequently at your, you know, from your your bank, but it does happen that everybody thinks when they get that application complete, it's in process and it's going through, gets to underwriting, they don't always expect that something else is going to be needed. And so you get that email yeah. that says that we need, you know, it's, it's been reviewed, but we need two or three more documents. It's the communication explaining to them that this this is going to help benefit your loan approval. And they do that. They've made, yeah, you know, yeah. Kerry's always been the one that oftentimes they'll come to and ask for why do we need this if we thought we were complete. So she actually gives them an explanation so they you understand. You have to give them an explanation, especially, you know, when you, they're already stressed out buying a right, home. And if they understand what they need or why they need it, they're much more likely to give it to you. A hundred percent. And without, you know, reservation to do it. So then let's talk about, I guess, for lack of a better word, some myths around home buying, right? Mm-hmm. So, so lift the lift the uh, curtain a little bit and let's talk about maybe if things are easier or, or perhaps even harder than, than they might be perceived. Um, so I'll start with historically, there's this perception that you need 20% down or you can't buy a house. And we in the industry, we know that isn't true. Um, But can you tell me if that belief is still as strong with with your client base as it was, say, 10, 15 years ago? Is that changing? And and what tools do you have to kind of work through that to to get customers over that hurdle of, oh, I'm worried that I I don't have enough money to start this process? I think that's where Beverly will send me the client and I have to pre-approve them. And I have to dive in and say, you know, what were you expecting to put down? What were you not? 20% is a huge myth that they have to put down. We have so many programs right now, first-time home buyer programs, Home Ready, Home Possible, FHA, Mass Housing. I mean, I could go on. Realistically, how much could you put down as 3%. a starting point? You could put down. That's a lot less than 20%. <laughs> it is a lot less than 20%. <laughs> that opens the door for a lot of people that might really not does. have considered that, that it, they're ready for that. 100%. I mean, you can put down 5%. Um, 10%, 15%. There's a program for every percentage down. Um, Beverly, do you find when people come to you that they have that preconception that they still need 20% and then you have to send them to carry and say, that's not true? Well, they, they worry that they're not going to have enough money down um, and so they can't get the house of their dreams or at least some of the features of it. And so I, I let them know that that's a good possibility. The beauty uh, if we have to find something good out of the change in the market over the last couple of weeks, is that people can still come in with lower down payments and be competitive in the market. There was a period of time where, yes, the programs were there right. with low down payments, but they were up against competitive offers that were stronger. So you try to work out uh, ways in which we can make them more competitive. And Leader has been offering new programs and creative kind of uh, programs that have, I think, been in the forefront of what a lot of other lenders can do. I think the number one thing is when we do run a client's credit, you have to sit and look at their credit. Have a conversation with them you about what's on it and, and what it means Why? and how it's impactful. And our credit reports are done so well. As a consumer, they might not be able to read it and say, 
I get what you're saying. But That's, with you to walk them through it. With me to watch, yeah. walk them through it. And then we know how many points are available. Um, if a card is maxed out and they pay it down a little. Right, which, again, could increase their ability their to, to get power. a particular program they're looking for or something like that. The first-time home buyer programs um, are definitely limited to income limitations and credit scores. So you do have to meet in the middle. But I feel like a lot it, – it's a big range – a lot of people can get into these programs. Now, I know before I was a homeowner, I firmly believed that it was cheaper to rent than to buy. My boss at the mortgage company that I worked at 20-some years ago, he kept sending me information on homes that he saw coming across the market and how I was missing out and I was the one that, that you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't buy a house and I resisted. And I thought I knew everything because, you know, 20-something and of course I knew you everything. You knew everything. Right. Um, and I too, I, I, I thought that it wasn't affordable. Um, but then once I did and once I became a homeowner, it started to dawn on me how this whole time as a renter, I was paying someone else's mortgage instead of my own and building my own equity. Do you hear that resistance from customers that they, there's this myth that it's cheaper to, to rent than to own? And, and how do you get over that hurdle with, with potential clients? Right now, what I'm hearing is it's the best time to sell just because of this particular market. Right. The current economy the that current we're in. The current economy that yep. we're in, like right this minute, they say, oh, I'm going to sell because I'm never going to make this much money. However, on the intern, if you look at what rent costs, you need a six-month to a one-year lease, and it is probably double your mortgage. And you can't get out of it either. And mm -hmm. you cannot get out of it. Without penalty, without right. big penalties. And then you're stuck. You can't buy something because you're in a lease. Right, you're tied up to a certain date. And so that money that you made because you sold right now is going to rent within four months. So I do feel that most people don't feel like renting is number one right now. Just what I've That's dealt good with. That's good to hear. Um, because rent is so expensive. Was it like this 10 years ago? No. You had to convince them that you are buying a house. It's going to be yours. It's a phenomenal savings account. It's a phenomenal um, investment. investment. Um you know, it's going to be yours. You're building your credit, your equity. Um, and when you sell it, there's money there. The When I get the opportunity to talk with somebody about rent versus buy, it really, um, it really comes down to what their lifestyle is, mm -hmm. what they want. The sellers that want to take advantage of the marketplace do have the challenge of where they're going to go. So again, Leader has programs now that have addressed that and been able to helpfully make it possible for them to be able to purchase and then sell afterwards. Um, when people are looking at their first time home and they're coming out of an apartment and they are realizing that they're paying someone else's mortgage because their parents and everybody else have told them that, have to be realistic about where they're going to start and how and how they can afford it. So that's where the the analysis and the process begins. But I often tell people that there's no reason why you can't purchase the property and if in 3 years or even, you know, stay you have to stay 2 years otherwise there might be some tax implications. Mm -hmm. But after 2 years if it's not the right lifestyle for you, you can move on. I try to explain to people that look at the different type of types of loans out there right now. You, right now with the interest rates climbing, you don't have to be at a fixed loan. You could be yeah. at a 10-year arm. 
which gives you a long period of time to watch the track and, and, and you build your equity, but you're also building your income. And hopefully in 10 years, you'll be able to lock in if that's what you want. So I want to jump back quickly to something that you said earlier. We talked about cycles and I'm thinking about shorter term cycles now, just annual seasons. And we always talk about there's a hot spring market or a summer market when everybody is excited to go out and find a new home. They're, I don't know, depressed from winter and they want a new start or something. Right. But when that tapers off, how do you both manage expectations and how do you you, you kind of make sure that your clients can get what they need and find what they need in the fall, in the winter, when maybe the market isn't so hot? How, how, do, you, how do you balance that? Starting with the inventory. Inventory. Uh, <laughs> it it depends on what timing people have. There was a period where people were looking so long to find their next step that it might not happen until the fall. And so they had to deal with that that timing. And rather than holding on to two homes until spring market, it made sense to put it on. But you can utilize with all the technology and the way we advertise and, and photograph properties. I often ask people if they have, if it's, if they, if it's a wintertime listing or a fall listing, do you have pictures of the house in the summer and the spring when everything was in bloom. And we'll incorporate that into our marketing pieces so people can see how lovely it is at that time. And I actually just just on one of my current listings, I used a picture from the fall, from the winter, a snowfall picture that was just beautiful with a sunset in the back. And it, it was, it was beautiful enough to put it in my springtime marketing piece that we were doing. Um, and it was appreciated. The, um, the, Real issue it for people is curb appeal. So if you're, if you're taking care mm-hmm. of your property in the fall and you're doing a fall cleanup and the house looks good, then by the time you get to the winter, the house is still going to look clean and groomed. But if you've not been taking care of it, then we have to, I have people that I'll call in that will help do as much of a cleanup as we can possibly do because curb appeal is important. So the myth to buy a house in the spring or the summer really isn't necessarily true. It's all about the presentation and and how how it becomes available. In the years that I've been doing loans, we always used to get ready for the spring market. Like you just said. It's still the highest volume. It is. It's still the the highest volume, but it's year-round. But I feel like it definitely has tapered off because it is year-round. And... It is inventory based. Definitely. And right now, if it's, you know, house towns that used to have 250 homes on the market at any given time had eight. We can have adjustments of inventory and adjustments of, of the buyer pool in the middle of the summer in July as much as we can have it in the, you know, the beginning of the winter in December Correct. and through the winter. It's really, um, when people need to go and what their expectations are. The majority of buyers are looking for a place that they feel comfortable, that they can live in. But this that idea they, that there's myths around home buying, that maybe I don't have enough of a down payment or I shouldn't be buying at this time of year or I, I, I don't know if, it, if it's the right opportunity or whatever, throw that all out. out. Talk, talk right to someone, you, talk to a professional, find out what the inventory is, find out what your credit and your loan situation would look get like. Prepared. So who you choose to work with has to be an important factor, both in the lending and in the purchasing Great. side. It certainly sounds like it. I feel like you have to be available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my phone goes off every day, all day, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And yet, like you said, you love it. I do. I'll take a call whenever. You know that. Mm-hmm. 
And I or think at least being respond. Flexible. It's having people that will respond and be um, involved in what you're doing because the reality is that especially this past year and a half, real estate is 24-7. You don't get weekends like we used to because Definitely of the not. competitiveness of things. So you have to be able to work with a person in a schedule that that meets the demand of the marketplace. Agreed. You have to be available. Well, listen, I really want to say thank you for both being here today. I had a blast. I thought it was great yeah. hearing about your experiences and all the different sort of options that are available. And maybe this whole process isn't as as overbearing or, or hard as some people might perceive it to be. And I hope the listeners got that same uh, message you. from us. Uh, any closing thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? And again, thank you for coming on today. No, I think the myth that you, you know, our whole subject today is putting 20% down. That's not the truth. You can put down very little, um, but I think you have to be educated in all the different points of a mortgage. And I think the, uh, the, the team effort of having the right realtor, having the right mortgage company, and having the right attorney um, who's going to, who are going to walk well, you through the process. So take the time to really know the background and the knowledge level of the person that you're working correct. with at any one of those levels, but particularly in mine, I think, because we're the, we're the core of finding the property and right. the support system of the lender and the attorney. The communication is huge. Mm -hmm. Are important. Exactly. Well, thank you both so much. Remax Realty Experts is not affiliated with or owned by LeaderBank NA, and all opinions expressed by Beverly Vidoli are her own and not the opinions of LeaderBank. For more information on today's subject, visit LeaderBank.com. In addition to past episodes, you can also find our corresponding blog entries for more insights. This podcast is a production of LeaderBank NA, Equal Housing Lender, Member FDIC, NMLS number 449250.